Welcome back to the Nerd Nest Podcast, everybody. I am Bill, and today I'm joined by Russ and Rich. And usually at the beginning of the show, we talk about the games that we've been playing. We're going to be talking about that later on in the show because we want to get started right away with the big news. And that is the Lenovo Legion Go has more information uh, dropped. We've got the PlayStation Portal, which is kind of ridiculous for reasons that I didn't expect. Uh, we've got some stuff from Epic Games, and we're going to be talking more about Baldur's Gate. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. Uh, Rich, we just got the information on the Lenovo, Lenovo Legion Go. Mm -hmm. I was exceedingly skeptical about yep. this information until I saw a tweet that had like a, a video that, I mean, you could easily, somebody could make this video, but the the return on investment for making this video, if it's not real, is too high, <laughs> I think. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. I think it's I think it's real, and we'll find out for sure on the first. But, like, what was your reaction when you saw what we saw today? And we'll get to all the specs and stuff soon, everybody. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I'm... I was hyped. I can't, I can't hold it in. Right. Like, I think that I'm excited about like the, the V mouse thing, the vertical mouse. I'm excited about the size. I think that the 1600 P might be really too big or, or too high of a resolution, but um, windowsreport.com did mention that it's going to be nice for like media consumption, right? Like you can detach the controllers, you can use the kickstand and now you have a 144 Hertz, 8.8 inch, 2560 by 1600 screen that you can just watch your, your movies on. So even from that perspective, it's exciting. I think the $800 is on the high end as well, Definitely on the high end, especially because there are multiple models. There's 256, 512, one mm -hmm. terabyte. So it's going to start at $800. And then they've got the accessories as well. But overall, I'm excited and I can't wait to try out those controls and see how they fit in with Windows Gaming. So before we go any further, let's, let's just talk about the controls. Because when I first saw this thing, that was what like piqued my interest because this thing was wild with a scroll wheel and weird buttons on the side. And last episode, uh, we were talking about it and my brain said, oh, M1, M2, that's macro one and macro two. And then mm -hmm. I think it was Kyle was like, well, actually, I think those might be mouse buttons. Yep. And it got me. And then I was like, oh, so you hold it sideways and that's how you mouse around with it. That was confirmed today. This weird vertical mouse thing. Russ, what's your reaction to this, like this weird vertical mouse thing where you're holding, you're holding it like this with like a little hockey puck underneath? Yeah. Uh, so it's interesting to me that they made a handheld that basically they're trying to take all the handheld things away from it. They're like, okay, you can also not treat it like a handheld. You can just <laughs> use it like a laptop basically and use a mouse yep. and keyboard or whatever with it. And so it's a little bit odd to me that they have this kind of setup here that uh, I get it like they're innovating. And so I appreciate that they're doing that in the first place. But uh, I don't know. I want a handheld. that's a handheld, too. And um, yeah, I'm not totally sold on it. Uh, personally, I don't play a lot of games that require like mouse inputs like that anyway. And so I can see there's definitely a demographic for that. Uh, it's kind of like the trackpad demographic, you know, uh, but at the same time, I don't, I don't really see myself using it. I, for me, I think that it answers a question that needs to be answered on a system like the ROG Ally, where you don't have good mouse inputs, and so you are, you're kind of stuck 
using the right thumbstick as a mouse cursor, which is never a good experience. They have the trackpad on here to to take care of that, which is great. But then they're like, okay, well, uh, you want you want to play your first person shooter, uh, WASD and mouse style. Uh, you hold the left Joy-Con in your left hand, and you hold the right one, you know, like a vertical mouse, and you kind of skate it around on the little hockey puck thing. I think that that does appeal to people, but I think the like you're saying, the number of people that that appeals to is very very small and of course everybody who that does appeal to in the comments are going to be like well i'm part of that group and i want to be able to do that and i totally get that i think it's cool i don't see myself really using it all that often um uh, unless this is like your only computer and so you come home you dock it in your like little docking station which is hooked up to your monitor and then you're like okay I'm going to you know, like use the right Joy-Con as my vertical mouse and I've got a keyboard attached to it. But at that point, why not just have like an extra mouse? But I, I don't know. Uh, Rich, are you going to be using that vertical mouse very much or is that something that's kind of lost on you? I, it's one of those things that I'm dying to try it, but I have no idea like how practical it's going <laughs> to end up being for me. I mean, kind of like Russ is saying, I, when I play my handhelds, I do just play them in my hand, right? Like I'm not... I'm kind of a foreshadowing to something later on. I'm not really docking my handheld very often. I'm not really like standing it up. I didn't, I had the one X player two to review and I never really used it that way, but I do want to try it. I think it's interesting that the commercial that they, that they leaked does have someone that looks like they're getting their, their ass handed to them in a first person shooter. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, uh, it, I don't remember what it was, but it was like a pro- popular first person shooter and they just switch from kind of traditional controls to mouse controls. So I can see kind of what they're going for there, but I don't know. I don't know if it's going to land for me. I just can't wait to try it. Yeah, the way I see it. Oh, go ahead, Russ. I was just going to say, you know, real quick, the way I use a mouse input for on a Windows handheld is mostly like, you know, putting in my username and password, you know, things like that. This is an 8.8 inch screen. Like you can use the touch screen. Like that's a lot of room to use a virtual keyboard and the point around and stuff. So it's not like a smaller Ionio one where you're just trying to hopefully press on the right thing. And so it kind of negates the need for a mouse for me. And so that's why it's even more ironic that now we have a mouse. Yeah. Well, not only do we have a mouse, but we also have a trackpad, which right. would solve that issue. Like my biggest gripe with the ROG Ally is the fact that it's such a pain to use without a mouse and keyboard. This, uh, you're right about the the giant screen, which we're going to get to in a second. You're right about the giant screen, but then it also has a trackpad. So this extra thing seems like just an extra thing. But at the end of the day, I don't have to use it. So I'm not going to complain that it's there. Uh, I do think it's, I I don't, like, one of the things I don't like about the Switch is the removable Joy-Cons, like, the fact that you can take them off. Uh, It feels like a a point of failure where, you know, it it just doesn't feel as solid. Like, I take my Steam Deck and I wiggle the controls. Like, that doesn't feel like it's going to fail. If I have a Switch in my hand and I wiggle those Joy-Cons, it feels like if I did it too hard... They would just snap right off, which, by the way, these don't seem to slide on. They snap on. Like, in the video, the person uh, pushed the button on the back with their fingers, and then they just snapped it off instead of sliding it off, which I thought was 
strange, at least unexpected. Uh, but let's let's move on to the screen. Uh, mm. This screen is uh, it's 14040 hertz variable refresh rate. It's got an 8.8 inch QHD plus display. So I saw that stuff and I was like, okay, let me get my hand, uh, get my head around. What does all this stuff mean? So first off, 8.8 inch screen, absolutely massive. And we'll, we'll talk about that in just a second, but QHD, QHD means quad HD, basically HD times four. Uh, and then plus means that it's not a normal aspect ratio. So I think this is going to be 16 by 10 instead of 16 by nine at 2560 by 1600, which if you just divide that by two, you get the same resolution as the Steam Deck. So essentially, you could run your games at 1280 by 800 and use FSR to upscale those games to this, and it would be perfect integer scaling and should look great. Am I wrong about that, uh, Rich? No, you're not wrong. That's my understanding as well. Um, so yeah, even if you're running in 800p, you should get a nice looking picture. Um, and also when you're using FSR, I mean, obviously FSR has sort of the algorithmic enhancements, but I imagine it's going to uh, look even better using that that sort of integer scaling here. So yeah, I think that that's going to be a nice feature to this. What do you think about 8.8 .8 as the screen size? That seems massive to me. I'll let you go for that one, Russ. So that's uh, so the biggest I've used is the AOK Zoe A1 Pro, which is an eight inch 16 by 10 screen. And it is massive. It's huge. It's I, I play on that. And I'm just like, this is this is like a luxury that I don't need. Like, that's what I think of when I'm playing it, you know, and so 8.8 inches is, you know, it's gonna be bigger. And so we'll see how that goes. I'm interested in that. Um, the main thing I'm really most interested in with the screen specs is the variable refresh rate, and when that will kick in. And so on the ROG Ally it kicks in at 48 uh, frames or Hertz. And so I'm hoping that it's somewhere similar to that because that's what I want. Really smooth gameplay that's under 60 uh, hertz. That's what I'm, I'm looking for here. I don't want to play any game at 144 hertz. I can't even tell the difference once it gets past 90. You know what I mean? And so uh, I'm not like holding my breath for like, oh, wow, 144 hertz gameplay is going to be the pinnacle here on a handheld. Um, it's really going to come down to how that variable refresh rate really translates to uh, a good experience with lower spec um, kind of gaming. Why do you think that they went with 144 instead of 120? Like, uh, I, I don't know. Like, maybe it's just easier to buy 144. Yeah, I think it's a sourcing display. thing. Yeah, okay. maybe there's like some sort of micro laptop that already had screens like that, and they were able to just use those. Okay, that that makes a lot of sense. And then the the variable refresh rate, uh, just for those uh, who are watching that don't know what that is, it basically means that the screen changes the resolution in order to match the game that you're playing. So if you're playing a game at 60 frames per second, the refresh rate of the screen will automatically match that at 60 frames per second. And what Russ is saying is that on the ROG Ally, that starts happening at, what did you say, 44 or 48? 48. 48, 48 yeah. hertz. So if you're playing a game that's at 44, I'm sorry, 44 hertz, it's not going to work. But if you can get it up to 48 hertz, then it's going to match. Um, and, and I believe different displays have different, um, uh, what's, uh, not widths, um, what's the word that I'm trying to think of? Like higher and lower boundary ranges, different ranges of mm -hmm. uh, refresh rates that they can kind of match with. So I think right. that's really cool. 
Um, yeah, the way that it works with ROG Ally that makes it so great is that as long as you're playing the game somewhere between 48 and above frames per second. So, you know, when you're playing a game that's going all over the place often, you'll get like stutters if you're playing it, say, on a Steam Deck. With this, if it's between like 48 and 60, it'll just play smoothly, even as those frames are just kind of going all over the place, as long as it's over 48. And so that's what I'm hoping is something similar to that. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. All right. Rich, go ahead. I think one of the things I'm excited about is not necessarily whether or not it'll work for me, uh, the the Legion Go in general, but the fact that it's kind of carving its own lane. So I'm currently reviewing the Air S1 or Air 1S from Ineo, and it's a little too small for me. I I can comfortably comfortably play for like the first hour, but after the first hour, I start to get slight hand cramps, and if I have repeated sessions of that, then I start to feel it over the course of the week. But the Steam Deck is the perfect size, and so the the Lenovo Legion Go might end up being too big for me, but I think that with everything that it has, it just it sets itself apart from the other handhelds, and so it justifies its existence just by having all of these different features. And I'm hoping that that really satisfies some audience out there. Um, but yeah, it's something more so that at this point, I'm really curious to try out and see if it if it's my lifestyle and see who else may fit, uh, who else that may be a fit for as well. Yeah, the idea that it's bigger than the Steam Deck. I mean, when the Steam Deck was first announced, everybody was like, whoa, that's huge. Like, that's like 2.2 Nintendo Switches or something like that. I can't remember uh, because they were looking at the weight. Uh, This one, I can't, I think it's 1.8 pounds with the controllers attached. Like, that is really, really hefty. And if Mm -hmm. it's not balanced well, it's not going to be very comfortable. Hopefully, I'm not going to assume that they're not going to ba- I'm going to assume that they're going to balance it well, and we'll find out later on. Um, boy, that 8.8-inch screen, you would think with a, a system that big that they would be able to squeeze in a bigger battery because the battery that's in here is, what was it, 48, 48 watt hours? hours. Yeah, like that's only eight watt hours bigger than the Steam Deck and ROG Ally. And this has the same chip as well, starting at the same chip. We don't know if all all versions have the same chip, but this is the same chip as the ROG Ally, which is at 1080p. So whatever the battery life is going to be on the ROG Ally, it's going to be worse on this. Uh, I I, I can't imagine that it's going to be better. What do you think about that, Russ? Yeah, I mean, you're talking about 20% increase in battery, but it's not there. I just recently uh, reviewed a device with 48 watt hour battery. I want to say it was the One S or maybe it was a different hand. And maybe it was I've reviewed so many. I can't remember which one it was. (laughs) I don't know if it was the One S. Oh, yeah, there it is. The One X Fly. Right. The One X Fly is a 48 watt hour battery. And so that's the same size. And it just barely gives you. Uh, the same amount of battery life. Like it's not really a huge difference. And so I'm not expecting great things in the battery. Going back to the weight too, it's 854 grams for this Lenovo one. Uh, And that is, so I I actually just called my wife the other day or a a few minutes ago and said, hey, 
weigh my Steam Deck real quick with the Kill Switch case on it. So I have the Kill Switch mm. case on it, and then I also have the skin on it. And so that's probably, you know, another couple grams. It's 815 grams when it's all full decked out. So when I'm actually playing it, that's how heavy my Steam Deck is because I use that all the time. 815? 15. And, the, and then the this Lenovo one is? 854. 854. Okay. So we're looking at like a 40 gram heavier kind of difference there. That's a lot. I mean, I think just my Steam Deck is not something that I can like hold over my head and play, you know, like I have to kind of lean on my elbow, like when I'm playing it, like I'm bed, that kind of thing. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. That's that's really heavy. That's why they're (laughs) debuting the glasses as well at the same time. Right. Okay. So let's kind of leave it in your lap. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's a good transition to take a look at the glasses real quick, but we'll come back to the rest of the stats of the system in a second. Uh, Rich, tell us about these glasses that Lenovo's uh, selling alongside this thing, not not in the same package. Yeah, so they seem very similar to the other glasses that are on the market right now, the Vitcher and the X-Reels. So these are micro OLED displays. They are full HD per eye, so 1080p. They have built-in speakers. They work with any USB-C device, so no proprietary implementation. And I assume vice versa, right? I assume the Vitchers and the X-Reels are going to work here as well if you already have those. A uh, 1.2 meter cable, so about three feet long, and they start at 4.99. I actually don't know what price the other ones are, but 4.99 it's a, it's a lot to spend, right? It's it, that's not an impulse buy, nowhere near it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Russ is laughing at this. Let's hear it, Russ. The, the X reels I think are 2.99. I'd have to look, and then oh, I, well, I also yeah. tested the TCL ones at around the 300 price point as well, and those feel like such a commodity, like such a novelty. Like mm-hmm. in the first place to, to pay more, I, I don't I don't get it. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, we we went to New York City uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I have the X reels, and I thought about bringing them with me, but and I, I I and listen, I was on a train for five hours, six hours on the way back, and it would have been the perfect thing to bring with me, but I was like, I don't want to carry the extra stuff, you know? Yeah, I only have yeah. so much stuff, like. When I reviewed them, I said to myself, if I traveled all the time, these would be amazing. And they are really, really cool. It's a very cool experience using these AR glasses with something like the Steam Deck or the Lenovo Legion Go or the Asus ROG Ally or et cetera. Yeah. But when I had to decide what was I going to bring with me in order to pack light, I left them at home. And so, I mean, clearly I am not the market for this, but I think the people who are the market for this, this is very compelling stuff. But that's not a large group of people. You know what I mean, Rich? Yeah, I agree. And I would also say that, like, the I have the Vitra glasses, and I've been reviewing those as well. And the experience I had is that, you know, I feel aware of my surroundings, but my wife didn't feel like I was aware of my surroundings, right? So it's a little bit like wearing sunglasses indoors, like you seem a little aloof when you're wearing them. And so it didn't, it wasn't really practical for me, um, but they were enjoyable. I just, like you said, I didn't have a lot of reason to to pull them out all the time and i'm not i would not spend 499 dollars to buy my own pair no no same especially when there's yeah. cheaper ones on the yeah market. i just checked in there three three ninety nine they're three ninety nine you said russ sorry i was gonna say they're three ninety nine yeah yeah for for which ones for for the for x reels and then they're oh, 440 okay. for the virtue okay so yeah. this is the most expensive one but i mean 
it's only a difference of a hundred dollars. So I don't know if the experience for this is better then maybe you want to spend that extra hundred on the Lenovo glasses in or the Legion glasses they're called. Um, but I'm not, that's not me. I'm not doing that. Um, back to the system. Uh, one thing that it has that the other system doesn't systems don't have is faster Ram. So according to uh, windows report, the memory that is 16 gigabytes of 7,500 megahertz L P D D R five X. Um, I'm not, uh, somebody who, look, I don't, I don't, I don't pay that close attention to that kind of thing, like to the, just like straight up numbers. Uh, so I don't know how much of a big improvement this is going to be. Rich, do you know how much of a big improvement this is going to be? I don't know. I, I know I just um, brought up that there was the Steam Deck mod of someone that upgraded to, uh, I think it was to 32 gigs of RAM on their Steam Deck. And it was it also happened to be faster RAM. And I said, this is not going to affect gaming so much. But there was a comment in there that, that I hearted that said why it would affect gaming and which games it would affect uh, greatly. So I do think that there are at least edge cases where this happens. Uh, but I don't know for sure if it's going to be a better experience throughout your whole, you know, your entire library. Yeah. Uh, any thoughts on that, Russ? Yeah, it's hard because I think the high RAM really helps with like really high end, you know, AAA games. And those are not the games you want to really be playing on these devices anyway. Like not, not to mention that you're going to really be pushing it, but also the battery life's just going to suffer. And so, yeah, I don't know. Like for me, 32 gigs of RAM, especially, you know, from an emulation standpoint, I could take it or leave it, you know? And so, yeah, it doesn't mean anything to me. In this case, it is 16 gigabytes, but it's it's um, the thing that Bill was saying is that it's fast, right? So 7,500 megahertz, uh, LPDDR5 uh, XRAM. Yeah, so the, the speed may help, you know, that 7,500 megatransfers per second. Uh, we've seen that in other devices. I, uh, I think the One X Fly had it. One of them did, one of those millions that I've reviewed. And uh, I, I don't know if it made like a huge difference in terms of gameplay, but it is a nice peace of mind to be able to say, okay, at least I'm getting the very best that I can. And INEO actually just had a BIOS update that allows for them, that now a user can update the RAM if they'd like to, to have that nice. higher RAM stick. Yeah. So let's move on and just talk about the price. I mean, we, we alluded to it before. It starts at $800. There's three versions. The three versions, the I, I can't remember the low end for storage is 256. So there is no 60, 64 gigabyte version, which in my opinion, Valve should ditch the 64 gigabyte version of the Steam Deck and like upgrade their storage a little bit. But that's just me. Uh, but it starts at 60, uh, 256 gigs then 512, then one terabyte of uh, M.2 2242 uh, drive. So it uses different drives than the Steam Deck and the ROG Ally. It's going to be slightly longer, I believe. Um, so for for $800, I'm guessing you're getting the, the, low, the low end one. And then what do you guys think the high end one is going to cost? Rich? Uh, in my video, I said over a thousand dollars. That's all I can really commit to. I'm going to say, you know, between a thousand and eleven hundred. I don't think that a terabyte is going to go past eleven hundred. But I don't know, Russ. You have more experience with some of these uh, Windows handhelds. What do you think? I think they have to keep it at one hundred dollar price differences. So just increments of mm -hmm. one hundred. They go beyond like nine ninety nine 
is that that's it it's it right you cannot say anything about that 1099 whatever mm -hmm. you know like that's it's just too much and so uh especially i don't know if they're doing any sort of partnership with a big box store like best buy and actually going to have this in stores people are going to scoff at anything above a thousand well yeah because if you look i mean i said this on my channel a thousand times that there were handheld pcs there were lots of handheld pcs before the steam deck Nobody was paying attention to them because they were all really, really expensive because they're made by these small companies that just couldn't make, like, they don't have the scale in order to make them cheap enough. And then Valve comes in backed by the Steam store where they make money on every single game that's sold on Steam so they can take a hit putting this thing out at $400 for the cheapest one. And the only one that got close to them is the ROG Ally, as, as far as I know. I don't pay as close attention right. to all the different models of stuff out there, but the ROG Ally got close at 700. That's $50 more than the most expensive Steam Deck. And now this comes in its cheapest version because they're not going to leak it at, at, they're not going to leak the most expensive version. So their <laughs> cheapest version is going to be $800. I think Rich is right. The most expensive version is going to be $1,000. And that isn't really competing with the Steam Deck, in my opinion, especially because now you can get a refurbished Steam Deck for $320? Like, you could buy three Steam Decks or one Lenovo... <laughs> Len I hate that <laughs> yeah, word, that's by insane. the way. Lenovo Legion Go. <laughs> yeah, think about this. Like, you buy three, three Steam Decks, you got your cloud saves, you charge all three of them up, you play one until the battery's empty, you grab the next one, you, play, you resume your cloud save. You've got six, seven, eight, nine, ten hours of gameplay right there. So. That is hilarious. That's great. Yeah, I didn't think about it that way. I knew, you know, I compared it to the Steam Deck refurbs at 319, but the fact that you can buy three of them and still, you know, come in yeah. under the, the, well, not under, but around the same price of a $1,000 Legion Go is insane. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of crazy. Um, one thing that the Legion Go does come with that the Steam Deck does not is three months of Game Pass Ultimate. So it does seem like Microsoft is probably going to try and get their fingers in all of these handhelds like made by the big companies. So, yeah. you know, we've got Asus that came with X months of Game Pass. Uh, this one's coming with Game Pass. Um Maybe the Dell Alienware whatever thing is going to come with Game Pass stuff. I can see that that being one way that they can keep the price lower because Microsoft is like pushing this on them and saying, "Hey, if you know if people sign up, then you get this money and and blah blah blah." But oh, I don't know. This this is a tough pill to swallow. If you guys could change anything you wanted about this device, what would you change? Rich? <laughs> I think the, I don't know. So I don't know where I would put the trackpad, but it seems like it's a little too low the way, the where it is right now. And so I, it seems like it would be hard to actually use. Um, so that's something I would change. I just don't know how I would go about it. It, it seems like it's already crowded for space as it is. Um, so that's the main thing I would change. But yeah, I, Russ, I'm guessing you would want to make it smaller. You know, I, I, 
it's hard to say without having in the hands because I want to distrust their designers and engineers, but it does look yeah. for me, the bottom corners are just a little bit too slanted in, you know, like this. Mm. And so I feel like you, your pinkies may not have a good solid grip like they do on both the ROG Ally and the Steam Deck because those both kind of square off at the bottom. And so uh, that's my worry point because that reminds me a lot of like the One X Player, like the original ones and like a bigger version of that or even the uh, One X Player 2. And those those were comfortable, but not like uh, not like a pleasure to use, you know. And so that's that's what I'm a little bit worried about. Yeah, for me, I would I would uh, keep the screen the same size. I would lower the resolution, uh, and I would get a bigger battery in there uh, because those are the things that people com- or, well, the battery is the thing that people complain about the most when it comes to handheld PC games is that you just chug through the battery so fast, so much. And sure, this thing has mm-hmm. fast charge, but you know the ROG Ally also has fast charge. But honestly, I don't want to have to, I don't want to have to really think about it when I'm playing a game to, oh, I, I'm at 20%, I better stop playing and go plug it in. Uh, do you guys ever play when you're plugged in? I never, ever do. Rich? No. I do when I'm in bed. So like, yeah, usually I, I'm often playing in my bed, right? Like that's the time that I have where I'm getting 30 to 45 minutes before I go to sleep. And so I'm also near an, uh, an outlet. So I will plug in and, and just enjoy my time. Um, but that, yeah, other than that, I, well, then again, I also have my battery pack nearby. I always have like my steam (laughs) deck bag and I have my, my battery pack. So yeah, I, I tether fairly often, I'd say. See, I keep a battery pack in my bag, and when I need to charge, I charge, but I don't mm-hmm. play while I'm charging. So that's never, oh, like, yeah. people are always sending me comments like, well, when you have it plugged in, is it going to have, the like, the Asus ROG Ally? Is it at the, what is that, 35-watt something or other when it's plugged in, right, and you can't do right. that when you're on a battery? I'm like, I don't care. I'm plugging it in to charge it, and I'll play it later. Yeah. But, you know, that's just me. Uh, anything else that you guys want to talk about with the Lenovo, I said it right this time, Legion Go, before we move on? Russ? Yeah, just one thought that kind of came to me as we were talking is like we're getting to the point now where this is just becoming another form factor to buy a computer. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you imagine you walk into Best Buy and you're like, hey, I want a laptop. Like, okay, which laptop do you want? There's 20 of them right here. You know what I mean? What if we get to the point where you walk into Best Buy like, I'm going to get a handheld PC. I'm like, okay, which one do you want? Here is our showcase showing five different models that you can buy right now. And that's just a weird concept to me. You know what I mean? I think of a handheld, I think of just a console that was made for being played in handheld mode and a new one comes out every few years, you know, like a DS or whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. The idea of just this being its own new space is kind of crazy. I think that it's awesome that it's this new space, but for some reason... People get that get it in their head, even though these play the same games, that they have to like pick one and have it be their identity. Then they're like, <laughs> Steam Deck is the best and I hate everybody else, or ROG Ally is the best and I hate everybody. And it's like it's nonstop. And if we have the more of these that we have, do you think do you think that goes away because there's just so many becomes like a laptop? Because you don't see people <laughs> Maybe you do. You don't see people in like laptop reviews being like, oh, they're the worst. I only like this kind of laptop. Um, Where the the Dell stands. (laughs) Yeah, the Dell stands. Well, that's that's the thing. When when the ROG Ally came out, 
that's exactly what I was expecting. I was expecting that there were no Asus ROG fanboys, and I was dead wrong. There are <laughs> lots and lots of Asus ROG, the brand, right, fanboys, um, which I don't know if they exist for Lenovo Legion as a brand. I don't know if they exist for Alienware as a brand. So I, I would have expected the same thing, but now I've learned that, yeah, you can you – can, align yourself to basically anything so I, I don't know what to expect at this point there's fanboys for everything and speaking of fanboys let's move yeah. on to our next big topic for today and that is the playstation portal which got announced officially this week i mean they kind of uh, previewed it they called it project q they told us that it was this streaming device but then they they officially called it the playstation portal and i put out a video about it once they said the price and i was like i actually think this is pretty good but then after i put out my video i saw that sony had found some other way to disappoint everybody uh and we'll talk about that in a second but before we get to the big disappointment that everybody has i'm curious how the two of you felt about the price of the playstation portal which, by the way, is an eight-inch screen, an eight-inch 1080p screen. It is a cloud streaming device, and it is at two hundred dollars. Um, Russ, how do you feel about two hundred dollars at a price point for this thing? I think that was uh, when we talked about it previously. When they first started talking about it, I think that was like my uh, hope. Like I was hoping it was going to be one ninety nine or one forty nine, like in an ideal world. But I didn't think that was realistic. So I do think one ninety nine is a good value considering the price of just the controller itself. You know, you get a pretty nice screen and whatnot. The what you're getting for your money is pretty solid in terms of uh, the amount of tech. You know, and so I I do think that is pretty good. There are some specs. I don't know if they actually showed it or not, but what type of Wi Fi is it? You know, is it Wi Fi six or is it we're talking oh. about five gigahertz? You know, uh, I don't think they've said that yet. You know, they're just kind of being coy about it, which makes me a little nervous. Uh, and then they also haven't said the size of the battery that, that they're shooting for, like a certain amount of playtime, I think. And so. Yeah, those things I think are still unknowns, but still, one ninety nine. I think that that is a pretty fair price, uh, coming from Sony at least. <laughs> All right, uh, Rich, what do you think it. about the ten eighty p eight inch screen with a dual sense cut in half, slapped on the sides at two hundred dollars? How do you feel <laughs> about that as a price? Uh, yeah, the the design looks uninspired. I kind of have the same feeling that uh, Russ, you were mentioning with the with the Lenovo Legion Go, where I'm just hoping that the designers know what they're doing, and by the time I have it in my hands, it, it feels better than it looks, right? Um, because the dual sense is a very comfortable controller. So I, I have a little bit of not faith, but optimism that it's going to be comfortable. I think the price, they, they got it right. I was, I, I didn't expect it to be $199. Um, certainly, I mentioned that in the previous podcast. I I would have liked even lower. I would have liked $149, but Russ is right. This is a good value for what you're getting. Um, I just don't know that there is a huge market for it considering all the other things we learned about it. Yeah, and so let's talk about those other things in just a second. I do want to say real quick that I thought that $200 for this is a great price. And and just like you guys, 149 this thing would have flown off the shelves. 199 yeah. people can definitely think about it. And with 40 million play, uh, PS5s out there, there's definitely people who are going to buy this thing. But here's why you might not want to. It doesn't have Bluetooth. Like, there's no Bluetooth in this thing. If you want to have wireless 
headphones, like you're sitting there, you're playing a game on your PlayStation 5. Your wife comes in, she's like, I want to watch whatever show she wants to watch. And you're like, I'm in the middle of this boss fight in Armored Core that I've been fighting for four hours and, you know, I'm almost there. Well, okay, now everybody gets what they want. You grab your PlayStation Portal, you put on your headphones, she's watching the show that she wants to watch, you fight the thing in Armored Core and everybody's happy. Except in order to do that, you can't just use the Bluetooth headphones that you already have. You have to spend, I think it's $200 on the... Uh, headphones that Sony is selling alongside this thing, which are called uh, PlayStation Link. Well, the connection method is called PlayStation Link, which has some cool stuff. Like you can connect it to multiple devices. Uh, you can have multiple headphones connected to the same device. And it kind of goes back and forth between your PlayStation and your uh, PlayStation Portal PSP. Um, like <laughs> you can go back and forth between those kind of like... Um, uh, uh, iPhone uh, headphones airdrop. go between your uh, airdrop like they go between their thing uh, that's all awesome but it doesn't have Bluetooth so you have to use that solution Russ you what can't... do you think about that oh go ahead Rich <laughs> I was just going to add that you can use wired headsets right there is a yeah. isn't there a three and a half millimeter audio jack so yeah I just checked that, yep. yeah there that, is. that's nice but yeah no Bluetooth so yeah Russ what do you what do you think yeah, I mean it's double doubling the price of it, right? I mean one ninety nine. Mm -hmm. That's for the over ear ones. They have earbuds that you can get, and I think those are a hundred. But still, no, those are those are um, the Pulse Elite, which are the yeah. over ear ones, are one fifty, and oh, the mm -hmm. in ear ones are two hundred. Oh, my they're gosh. called the Pulse that, Explorer. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I was going to give them a break, but no, that's terrible. And so, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, I, I get it. I mean, for something that's portal portable, see, I'm messing up portal and portable. Uh, for something that's supposed to be portable, you need to make everything portable and convenient. And when you start taking away those things or adding layers of proprietariness to it, which is like Sony's worst thing, right? They've done that with mm. everything. They've put something yeah. proprietary in every one of their devices, mm -hmm. be it the memory cards for the PSP and the Vita. You know, like it's just a pain in the butt to have to deal with that. And I can't believe they keep repeating this mistake. And of all the things, it's, yeah, with audio. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I probably will just use a three and a half millimeter jack, which people would be like, hey, that's fine. You know, I, everyone's got a, a, you know, headphones that have a jack on it. But still, you're, you want to be wireless. The whole point is to play right. this thing wirelessly and you want to have a full wireless experience. And that's just kind of a bummer. Go ahead, here, here, Here's some hopium that Sony doesn't deserve whatsoever. So like, it's not going to happen, but there's a chance. Um, what if PlayStation Link wasn't just for audio, but what if that could also be the way to connect the PlayStation Portal to the PS5. And so you would have a direct connection from the portal to the PS5 as opposed to going through your local home network and having some lag. So the Wii U controller had a dedicated wireless connection to the Wii U uh, console. And so if the PlayStation Portal did that, then I think that would that would be a, a, a reason to justify the fact that you can't uh, connect outside of the home network and things like that. So that is a little bit of hopium, but I don't actually expect that it will happen well actually you can connect outside of the home home network so that's oh, one can. piece of information that a lot of us myself included had wrong uh they okay. say that it you need to have five megabits um uh upload at your house but if you really want to have a good connection it should be 15 and there are definitely people out there that don't have that that are going to go home they're going to they're going to buy this thing 
they're going to hook it up. It's going to work in their house and they're going to take it someplace and it's not going to work. And that's going to be a different experience from other people. So like, for example, Russ is going to buy this thing and he's going to be like, I used this the other day and I was at work and I pulled this thing out and I was playing this thing on my lunch break and it was awesome. And I'm going to hear that. And I'm going to be like, thanks for the recommendation, Russ. And I'm going to go out and buy that. And we're going to have a different experience because we don't have the same internet connection. Right. And then I'm going to be mad at Russ because Russ is a jerk and a liar and he's clearly a <laughs> shill for PlayStation. You right. jerk. Clearly. What is your problem? <laughs> it's all over my face. It's Sony show. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think that, I, I like that it is used uh, usable outside of uh, your house, but they did specifically say that you can't use it with the PlayStation streaming service. I forget what it's called right. now because they changed the names it's or whatever. Just PS Plus, right? Uh, right. So with PS Plus, you can stream some games to your PlayStation mm -hmm. instead of actually playing them, and you're not you're not playing it from your PlayStation. You're playing these games from a server. In mm -hmm. the cloud, that is not compatible with this for whatever reason. I'm confident that that's a firmware update, but you shouldn't buy something based on the hopes of uh, a right. firmware update down the line. So I think that's a another huge mistake <laughs> from this. I another also question. go ahead. Go. I was right. just another. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, <laughs> I I thought another missed opportunity, right? Being in. Uh, some sort of Android or whatever it is um, was just native like emulation, right? Like PS one, PS, maybe PS two, but certainly PSP. Like you could have just had those as options that you can buy and download on this device. And I don't know why they didn't do that. So now we have to wait for a jailbreak. Yeah. What do you think about that? Russ? Are we going to get that? I don't think it's going to happen just because of onboard storage. I mean, we don't know yet, but there's yeah. no micro SD card slot. And so, yeah. I mean, it's better than having a memory card, I guess. But uh, so the question I had is whether or not this will work on a PS4, because there are a lot of PS4 owners still out there, you know, and whether or not this is something someone could buy that just kind of doubles the amount of people that could use it. I don't know. I haven't seen anything about it. So, so uh, it says specifically for the PS5. I don't think that it's uh, going to be compatible with the PS4. I would love to be incorrect about that but if you want to play a ps4 like you used to be able to stream to your ps vita right vita. yeah you can, mm -hmm. and, and to a phone from your ps4 you could always do that too okay uh, mm -hmm. i tried using the i ended up buying um the uh, the desk not the desktop the tv version of the vita um yeah playstation tv yeah yeah i ended up buying one of those uh second hand and I hooked it up and it was a terrible experience. And I have a good, I have a good network at my house, and it was a very bad experience. So I never tried that stuff again. Um, so I don't know. I think that, boy, I was ready to buy one of these things. I might still just to make a video. I was, but I was ready to buy one of these things because I love my PS5. I think it's a fantastic system. This has an eight-inch screen, and just being able to grab it and just take it to different rooms of the house and play games. I was sold for $200, but the fact that the doesn't have the audio the way that I want and the fact that like it doesn't have access to the cloud games, I don't know. Like That's just very, very short-sighted from Sony, yeah. which I guess we should just come to expect from them because that's the kind of things that they do, especially when they're the market leader. 
Yeah, so to put it in context, right, so the AYN Odin 2 was just launched like last week, and that is starting at $299, and this is an Android-based handheld that has like a lot of the features that I would want in a handheld, you know, like analog triggers, hull sensors, like all that kind of stuff, right? Uh, And it's got a nice big screen, 6 inches, so not huge, but 1080p, and has a Snapdragon 8 Gen 2 chip inside of it, which means it's going to be able to play anything that's on Android, all the way up through PlayStation 2, GameCube, all that kind of stuff. And also it can work for streaming just fine. And so it's actually going to have Wi-Fi 7 inside of it. And so for an additional $100, you could get a device that, yes, can do all the same things that this PlayStation uh, portal can do other than like the haptic trigger things, you know, all that kind of stuff. You can't do that, but you can do everything else, you know, streaming and whatnot. And uh, you could do it... uh, all the offline stuff too, all the emulation, all that gaming, all the Android games too, and so and Bluetooth, yeah. and Bluetooth, <laughs> right? And what, an SD what's card the storage size on that? Six inches, 1080p. So okay, it's not not the best, you know, but still, I think six inches is a pretty great size for a portable portable handheld, anyway. So, yeah, I, I mean, and Sony just keeps saying, hey, by the way, this has all the things that your DualSense controller does. a lot of the games just don't take advantage of that stuff. Like, I cannot tell you how many games that are first-party games that don't even use the gyro in the the six-axis or uh, six-dual-sense, whatever it's called. Like, they don't even use the gyro in that thing. And there's so many games that don't bother with the haptic feedback on the triggers, which is cool when it happens. Like, when you use it, you're like, whoa, that was neat. But most yeah. games just ignore that those features because those features aren't on all the other systems. So why bother putting the effort into making those things work? I don't know. I feel like I feel like Sony is is focusing on the wrong stuff here. But you know what? They're winning this generation right now. Forty million systems have sold. Um, so. Maybe, maybe I'm just wrong about it. But let us know what you guys think in the comment section if you're watching this over on the YouTube channel. Uh, and if you're if you're not watching it on the YouTube channel and you listen to the show, then just head on over to nerdnest.tv and subscribe. All right. Baldur's Gate 3. There's been a lot of people talking about this game. We're going to talk about this game because everybody on the panel has been playing this game. Um, I haven't been playing the game this week because... I had elbow surgery, and so I'm. I've only been playing Vampire Survivor, but I've played about. <laughs> I played more Baldur's Gate than both of these guys uh, combined because I have. I was unable to put it down for the last couple of weeks. Um, before we get to our conversation about the game, there's been a lot of discussion back and forth about the idea of that game coming to Xbox and it not coming to Xbox because, you know, they couldn't do split screen split screen couch co op on the Xbox Series X. Well, it's been announced now that it is coming to Xbox and it will come to Xbox without that feature on the Series S. It will have that feature on the Series X. And that feature may come later, um, which is very different than how Microsoft positioned the Series S and the Series X. They, they basically said, these ga- these are gonna play the same games except for resolution, everything's going to be pretty much the same. Now, they did say the core gameplay would be the same, so there is a little bit of wiggle room for them there, for them in that sentence to say, well, the split-screen multiplayer isn't really a core gameplay for Baldur's Gate 3. And so I I can see some, you know, off-ramps for the vitriol that they'll get from this, but I'm just glad that more people are going to be able to experience this game because I love it. 
Have either of you tried it with split screen? Uh, no. Rich? No, I yes. haven't. Nope, not at all. Okay. Um, I'm very curious how many people even bother with split screen. I've played it multiplayer online with some friends, but split screen seems awesome, but it's like this huge, like multi-hundred hour RPG that's going to soak up all of your time. I just can't see myself like, hey, honey, I want to play it. Well, I'm busy doing this right now. Well, now I'm not going to find out what's going to happen with Shadowheart because she's busy, <laughs> you know? So uh, <laughs> I can't, I don't know. I don't know that that's a core gameplay, but it's coming to Xbox. What do you guys think about that? Are you, are you plussed? Do you not care? What do you think, Russ? Uh, I think it's good. Like, so I, it would have been dumb for them to say, well, this one feature isn't available on this one console. So nobody gets it. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. And so yeah. it's a much smarter bet to just say, hey, uh, it's coming to everybody, but you will lose one feature if you're going to use the Xbox Series S. You know, it's I mean, it's the same yeah. thing like with the, you know, you're, there are perks for having the Xbox Series X. And it's OK if this is another one of those perks, you know. I think if you had polled Xbox Series S owners and you said, you know, you let them know you can get this game, but you're not going to have split screen, they would have been like, uh, yeah, let me get it. Right. <laughs> They'd have been dying for it. So they, I, I'm, I assume everybody's happy. This is a win-win. Um, I don't see any reason. I, sure, there will be people that are going to kind of disparage it and say things like the Xbox Series S is holding back the generation and things like that. But I think it's a win for everybody. I think also there was another game. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was the next Forza that mm -hmm. there were like some features that are going to come later. And I think one of them was like split screen or maybe it was removed or something like that. So, mm. you know, split screen is a very demanding feature. Um, and yeah, I can't imagine that you're going to be able to do that all the time on the Series S. Yeah, the same thing happened with Halo. Uh, Halo, like they said, split screen is coming. Split split screen I think that was a, is yeah. coming later for Halo, and then if, a, after quite a long time, they said actually we couldn't get it to work, so we're done with that. And then you're not wrong, Rich. Forza, the Forza Motorsport, which is coming out later on this year, I believe, uh, that also they said no split screen for that as well. So got it. Uh, like split screen, it is very demanding. You basically have to render everything twice. So that makes that makes a system with an inferior GPU have to work a whole lot harder. And it's it's unreasonable to expect that devs would be able to do that on every game on the Series S. So I I, I agree with you guys. It's awesome that it's on this system. I love this game, and I was very excited. Because last week, Russ sent a picture. He says, you got me, Bill. And he sent me a picture <laughs> of him playing Baldur's Gate. Or maybe it was like your his purchase. Downloading order. it. Yeah, yeah. downloading it. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then like yesterday, I was like, who's up for the show uh, tomorrow? And he was like, I have a lot, of, lot to say about Baldur's Gate. So, Russ, you have the floor. I want to hear what you have to say <laughs> about Baldur's Gate. So, I started... Yeah, so I started, you know, number one, like I'm the biggest skeptic in, in the whole podcast when it comes to CRPGs. Like it's just the only thing that's been even the closest that I've ever experienced has been Fallout 3 because I feel like that's kind of like a CRPG, uh, but a little bit consoleized. And, you know, I played like Skyrim and I think a similar experience as well. The way I see it is that this one had to prove itself to me as a, as a game, you know, and I've tried others. I had like Divinity 2, like I've tried that as well, gave it a couple hours and I was like, this is not my kind of game. Um, 
I, I put it on my ROG Ally. I played it both in handheld as well as docked with my XG Mobile. I also put it on the Steam Deck. I ended up playing it on the Steam Deck more because uh, I was able to find uh, like a Reddit post that basically said, hey, these are the best settings, and it worked pretty well. It was running at 28 frames per second, which was interesting, but it was smooth enough for me. Like, it was it was good, you know. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, mostly played it handheld, but then would dock it and play it on the big screen if I, uh, if I wanted to as well. And I just... I put 20 hours into it. And by the 10 hour mark, I was like, this is not the game for me, but I will keep going, you know? And by the 20 hour mark, I was just kind of done. So there's several different things that kind of like made it so I didn't really enjoy the experience as much. Number one is I learned that there was a, a term called save scumming, which I didn't know about. And that's the idea of saving right before any sort of moment. And then if it doesn't go the way you want, you then just go back to your auto save or your save and stuff. And, uh, I get that. Like, I, I don't have a problem with that. It's kind of like using a save state, you know, the way I think about it. Um, the problem I had for me is that there were so many consequential, like big things that happened in the game that happened as a result of very inconsequential actions. So, for example, I would like go through like I was walking through this area, which was kind of it was I was in an enemy territory. Like there was these guys where I knew if I said the wrong thing, like something bad was going to happen. Right. And I was like, I'm not going to fight these guys. Like, I'm going to figure out a way to, like, get through this whole, like, episode. And even if my party members disagree with me with the choices I make in the dialogue trees, like, so be it, you know. And this is before I learned about safe scumming. So I was, like, I was kind of intense <laughs> about it. And so I'm going through and... uh and I, I went through and something happened. Like I thought I was doing the right thing and it turned into a battle. And I think the developer made it that way. And that's the other thing is like, I'm not sure when something crappy happens in the game. I'm not sure if it was supposed to happen, if it was a bug or if the developers wanted to give me like that total freedom, you know, like it's, it leaves me questioning whether or not I'm supposed to reload a save game. And if that was supposed to happen, hmm. which always just kind of fills me like this feeling like, Oh, I don't think I'm playing this game. Right. You know? Um, so anyway, I get to this point and yeah, it turns into a battle. And not only that, but there was apparently some sort of, like, uh, I don't want to give any spoilers. But there's somebody there who I was supposed to kill. And if I killed that person, it would basically, then everybody else wouldn't know that I was the bad guy. But because I didn't kill that person, everybody thought I was a bad guy. So I'd walk into a room, and if that person of that, like, um, race or whatever was there, battle would start, no matter what. I, I went through about four or five hours of battling and dying just to escape that place. I didn't know there was a, a fast escape or like a uh, like a quick quick travel. I forgot mm. that you could do quick travel. So I'm like, <laughs> I have to get out of this place. Like we have to escape, guys, you know, and like yeah. party member would die. Like, oh, reload the save and start all over again. And I did that for hours and hours and hours. And um, all because kind of like part of it was a bug, but then also part of it was just like, uh, just I was in over my head and I didn't know what I was doing and I it wasn't fun like I wasn't having fun with it I was having to reload saves and uh, it felt like I was losing progress every time in many games like something like Mass Effect where it has a decision tree and dialogue trees and stuff you kind of know what you're doing when you say something crappy or something good and you can kind of anticipate what it's like it's a little bit on rails you know what I mean and that's the amount of freedom I like 
when it's just full chaos like that, there's an Indonesian word for it called kacau balau, which is just like full on chaos. They use it when they're talking about traffic, basically. And uh, that's what I felt like. I was just like, this is such a chaotic game. And there was another part where I was walking through and it was just in a regular village and somehow a fight broke out. And I don't know if it was something my party member like stepped on somebody or stole something. I don't know what happened, but a fight broke out and they like killed half the population. And they're like, yeah. And then like all of a sudden a bunch of my quests were just like, you can no longer do this because the guy died before you talked to them, you know? <laughs> and I was like, okay, it is what it is. You know, like, I don't know those people and they're all dead. And I, I sure I lost on some of that game. Well then 20 hours later, I get to a spot where there's a party member that I'm supposed to recruit. And it's somebody I've been looking forward to because I've seen them in the pictures. And I was like, I can't wait to have this person in my party. And I, I went up to her and I talked to her and she's like, oh, you're the guy that killed half that village. She's like, <laughs> and she, she even cussed me. She's like, F off, mate. And that was it. And I, I could not go any further in the dialogue or whatever. So I the only other option, I had to Google it, look into it and all that stuff. I realized that the only option I had was just to kill her and take her stuff. Like that's that's all I could do from that point on because there's no way to recruit her at that point and and if I want to at least get some of her stuff I could do that that's the only net benefit so this person who I was planning on spending the rest of the game with I murdered and I did not feel good about you, it. It sounds like you could have just not murdered them also like you can't have them in your party. <laughs> But it sounds like you could have True. kept playing the game without. Okay. I was hoping that maybe <laughs> later on in stuff. the game they would show up and be like, "You know what? You are a good person. You can. Yeah, I'll join yeah. your party now." But no, I looked it up no. and they're like, "No, you'll never get that person again." And I was like, it's, "Screw it! I'm like taking your life. sword then." Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so oh, that was the point man. where I stopped playing, and I was just like, "You know what? This is twenty hours, and this is just." I, I love the fact that there's all this freedom and stuff, but I want to play the best version of that game possible. And I couldn't like, because I couldn't get the people I wanted because of decisions that I didn't even know I was making 20, 20 hours before, you know, and it was just, it just kind of turned me off. Like it was just too much. I guess, I guess the way to fix it is to play the game all over again, but I don't, I'm not doing that. I'm not putting another 20 hours from start. So. I think the perspective of like a best playthrough is the one that's wrong here, right? Like it's, there's no, cause like what you're saying is best is like the most content. Like I, I get right. to have all the party members I get to, but the, the fact yeah. that you have this story that you, you desperately wanted this person to join your party, but you had screwed them over like many months, many moons ago. And so they right. wouldn't join your party no matter what you did is a, is an amazing story that you yeah. now can tell. Um, and so that to me is the best experience I get. I do get what you're saying though. Like I've had that too, where like, you know, you're not getting the content, you're not getting the party member. And so I do get that, but it, it's the story that you were able to tell. Yeah. I, and it's I been, do think that you have a valid criticism, Russ, where you when sometimes when you choose dialogue options, you don't know what they're going to do. There's been many times where I've chosen a dialogue option. I was like, okay, that, that makes sense. And I'm thinking this is what's going to happen. And then something very different happens. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's not really what I meant. But it, it's mm -hmm. okay. And then I'm on Rich's side here because then I'm like, well, that's okay because that's my story as for, it, like, yes, I I would like it if it said this dialogue option will start combat. Yeah. You know, like that yeah. would make a whole lot of sense to me. And I would like Larian to do something like that. But at the same time, I had an experience where I was in a town and something happened. And I said, that's not cool. And it started a fight and I had to kill the whole town. 
And then <laughs> that whole, like in that town, there was somebody that I needed to talk to for a main quest. And I had the same thing that you said, Russ, where I was like, you can't yeah. talk to this person. You killed them. I'm like, okay, right. that's true. That's true. Um, but there's another person that I got to talk to. So then I went and I found that person and I said, Hey, by the way, I killed your whole town. Right. And I was ready for him to attack me, but I wanted to be like, my character was an honest person. So I was like, I was going to be honest. So I was like, yeah, um, I, your, your whole town was out of, they were out of line and I killed him. And he was like, well, I guess I forgive you. And I was like, that was kind of weird. I didn't like that. So yeah. it, it, like there's some things where you expect one thing to happen and something else happens and it feels not great. And I can totally see where you're coming from, Russ, but I still I still think that this is easily <laughs> the best game this year. Uh, Rich, mm. do, what do you have to say about this game 10 hours in? Well, I had one question real quick. So we were talking about like not knowing the outcome of a decision. And the one thing that, I haven't figured out yet. I don't know if it's in the game or if it's just this is how it is. Is can you tell in advance the difficulty of a like a roll dice, a dice roll? So like so it'll yeah, that. it'll oh, you mean before you choose what you're going to do? Yes, exactly. No, you can't. So you can so, be you can have yeah. a conversation uh Russ is like a vendor and I want to try and buy something from him and I want to sweet talk him a little bit. So, you know, I choose to sweet talk him and then a dice comes up and it's like, you know, my target is 23. I'm very unlikely right. to to roll 23 on that. So I know that that's going to fail and now maybe he's going to be mad at like his like this this shopkeep is going to be mad at me. Because right. I tried to sweet talk him or something, and I failed the roll. That's happened many times where I'm like, That's so many I times. I kind of wish I wish I could go back. Like I clicked yeah. that. Oh, DC 17. Maybe I'm gonna go back because I got a negative one to intelligence. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so I would like to see the difficulty. I, I like choosing the different options just to see how they go. Um, not not to see the different difficulties, but just to literally see like the branching narrative. I, I always find that interesting. <laughs> but overall, I think the game is, yeah, I think it's phenomenal. I'm not a big CRPG player, not because I don't like the genre, just because I haven't had a lot of opportunity to try it. And these are like 60 plus hour games all of the time, right? So I just haven't had that opportunity to invest that. Uh, but I'm enjoying it. I kind of ran into a similar thing as Russ yesterday when I was playing where... Um, I was looking to save a person and I was looking to negotiate with them. And if you know, there's the, there's the main way to negotiate with people. Um, but you, you kind of run out of it, right? There's like a cooldown on that. Mm, yeah. 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 Um, and so I'm like, Oh, I can't do that. And so I end up going through this path where I end up angering the, the group of people and now I have to fight them and I do pretty good. But there's one person left and I realize he's running away, but I have this other person that I can't leave. So I have to attack this person that I'm next to. Otherwise, he's going to get me before I run away. And I don't know where this person is running away to. Um, so I finished this fight and then I find out that that person went to like uh, sound the war drum. And now <laughs> and now all their friends are coming and I actually had a chance to win that fight. But now I'm overwhelmed with the numbers, and so I can't, and I lose that fight, and I do have to reload my save. Um, but just to have that experience, it was pretty, like, I, I could have reloaded the save at any point, but I wanted to see what it was like. I, I knew that I may be killing some, like, characters in the story, but I at least wanted to see what that um, what that path led me through. I may have save scummed after that, 
but I thought <laughs> I wanted to see that fight to see if I could finish it. Yeah, it's well, interesting you know for me. It sounds like it sounds like D and D. That's what it is. It yeah, sounds right just up. like D and D. What were you going to say, Russ? I'm sorry. I was just going to say that like uh, it's an, it's just, it's I'm such an empathetic player, like in the sense mm. that like I embody my main character, and I I it's a reflection on me. And so when I make a decision or whatever, it's like me making that decision. It's one of the things I like about gaming. It's like I'm putting myself in that magical world or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so. I there was one point where there was a burning building. Did Bill, did you get to that part? I got to that in early access like two years okay. ago. Uh, I haven't yeah. gotten to it in this playthrough though. So there's this building, burning building, and you're supposed to go in and like hey, help these people, whatever, whatever. And I wanted to save everybody. And you just can't, like there's not enough time, you know? And so I probably reloaded that save 20 times trying to figure out a way to game the game so that I could at least save everybody. Because I don't want to, like, it's Russ playing this game and Russ is not going to leave somebody burning in a building, you know? And so <laughs> I, I wasted like a good two hours on something that probably should have only lasted about 10 minutes because of just the way that I, I am and I wanted to just like do it you know and so that's that's kind of one of the examples of why i'm just the way i play games is a little bit incongruent with this one if i had the time to devote to just this one game for the next year or two then i think i would love it um but yeah it's just it's a little too much for me unfortunately i think playing like russ is a totally like legit way to approach it absolutely um, one alternative that i don't remember where i got this from but one alternative that you might think of is playing as like a TV character or some other game character that you're like really familiar with. So mm. like I was, I've been, I've been binge watching Suits ever since it came on Netflix in the last two weeks. And so now I'm playing as Harvey Specter, who is like a narcissistic, but really effective negotiator. So I keep <laughs> trying to like charm and sweet talk people, but also be a little bit of an a-hole. Um, mm. <laughs> and and it's, it's fun to sort of disassociate myself and really try to embody another character. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I'm like, I mean, I'm going so far. Like, I'm trying to get all the girls to fall in love with me. Like, I'm just, doing, <laughs> like, I, just I want to be the nicest guy like everybody yeah. loves, you know, it's yeah. just so dumb. <laughs> but that's hey, awesome. you know what? Not every game has to be for everybody. And, you know, you were skeptical, but you still tried it. And like, I, I, I if I was not enjoying it, I would not have put 20 hours into it. So mm -hmm. I think that Russ absolutely gave it the college try. Nobody can... Nobody can fault him there. It's just not for him. But I think that shows that Russ and I don't like the same games. But yeah, because <laughs> I loved Zelda. Russ was, eh, Zelda's kind of mid. I adore Baldur's Gate 3. Russ is like, I hate this game. It's a terrible experience. <laughs> it's making me feel bad about myself. So, like, me and Russ, we should not take each other's advice on advice on which games to play. I think that that's yeah. something that we have figured out at this point. <laughs> you and I are not going to do a split screen multiplayer with that game. No. Nope. Well, and <laughs> it, it, neither is anybody on the Xbox Series S. Uh, so anyway, nice. uh, one last story to talk about today, and that is uh, the Epic First program. Boy, oh boy, I know a lot of people despise Epic Games, and for good reasons. But also for bad reasons. Uh, but they have this this new program where they're basically saying, so when Epic brought out the Epic Game Store, they were like, hey, Valve takes 30%. We're only going to take 12%. Uh, and now they're saying, well, Valve takes 30%. We're going to take 12%. But if you make your game exclusive to our platform outside of first-party stuff for six months then you get to keep 100% of your sales 
for those six months, and then you can bring it to other third-party stores after that. Um, boy, I don't know how I feel about this. Like, I, I, I want devs to make as much money as possible because if they make money, then they're going to keep making games. But I really don't like the Epic Game Store. Its features are terrible, um, especially compared to Steam. I don't see myself... I Like, I have a bunch of Epic Games that I've uh, gotten for free because they give them away every week. Like I used to have like a thing go off on my phone. I'll be like, Oh, I'm going to go claim those games. I never play any of them. Like they just (laughs) sit there not getting played because I just play the games on my, on valve anyway, or on steam anyway. Uh, What do you guys think about this, this, this incentive that, that uh, Epic is trying to get in order to pull people away from steam uh, uh, devs away from steam rich. Yeah. So you said that you, you know, you side with devs and that, and that's kind of where I land all in all is that I do want devs to make more money. Um, I don't use the, the Epic store I've tried and I just don't. And so I think, you know, valve just has a ton of market share. And so I understand that Epic and maybe others are going to try to do things that are a little less than savory to consumers um, to try to get that market share. And to a degree, I support that. Not like, I think it's a good idea, but just I understand trying to get more of that market share. I think the thing that is really disheartening to me is that Epic hasn't really done anything with the store. Like the store, and like you mentioned that Epic doesn't have features uh, or isn't near feature parity with Steam. And they really haven't tried to close that gap. And if they did try to close that gap more, I would have a little more, um, I would give them a little more grace with stuff like this. Because I do think that that, sometimes that's the only way to really close that market share gap but they they haven't done anything to make the experience better and mm-hmm. so i can't give them that grace what do you think russ so I, two things here number one I, I completely agree that yes devs should be getting as much money as possible for their work and i don't think this is a good deal because you have to think of two factors number one is that you get an additional 12 percent of revenue from epic and is that 12% revenue going to be more than the 70% revenue you would get uh, by also having it on the Steam store? Yeah, and I don't think in any case that's going to uh, equal out. And then on top of that, the thing about the Steam store, if it's the big one, if it's the proprietary, like that's the the big goose, basically, the exposure that you get by hosting something on the Steam store as well, having your sales, all that kind of stuff, again, is a sacrifice you would have to make by getting that 12% by just having it in the Epic store. So all of that like uh, exposure and marketing and everything else that you can do just by having a good game in the Steam store, uh, you're losing that as well. So from both those perspectives, I don't think it's a good deal for those devs. I, I appreciate that Epic's doing what they can to give devs more money, but I think that they would do better by having like some sort of dev like indie showcase thing, you know, things like that that would boost those yeah. exclusives. And they didn't see anything about like, hey, we're going to make sure that people buy your game more. You know, it's just like, hey, we'll give you more money for your game. Yeah, it, it, like we have the Steam Next Fest, which shows off these indie games, which is awesome because it gets those in front of a whole bunch of eyeballs. Exactly. Um, but then. Like the the idea here is that they're they're saying they're paying for exclusivity. And in my opinion, people can be mad at me all they want. I 
I despise exclusivity. I Unless it's first party, I totally get why Nintendo only puts Nintendo games on Nintendo systems. I totally get why Microsoft is only going to put Starfield on a Microsoft system, and I get why Sony is going to put, I don't know, God of War. Well, it's not really first party. Is it first party? I can't remember now. That's like second party, yeah. isn't it? Sony Santa Monica. Yeah, Sony Santa. Thank you. Um, like, I get why they're only going to put God of War on the PlayStation. That makes sense. But when you're talking about third parties getting exclusive, like, that drives me up the wall. Now, this might seem a little... Um, discongruous with what I was just saying. I also understand why, like Square Enix said, we we only put uh, Final Fantasy 16 on the PlayStation because we just wanted to support one console at a time, and we'll worry about the other ones afterwards. That also makes sense. But when you're talking about the PC market, it's the same game with the same code, and it's just a store. And it's this is just as irritating to me as when, you know, you used to go to a GameStop because that's the place where you could get the certain costume with your Batman game. Oh, this <laughs> one had the 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 gray and blue costume. But if you went to Walmart, you got the black costume with your with your with your game. And that was just irritating to me to try and force me to go to this this one store and, st- and and that's what it feels like these guys are doing. I like that there's competition. I just don't like that they're trying to bank on exclusivity and that always kind of pushes me away. And mm-hmm. everybody can let me know why I'm wrong in the comments section. Uh any other thoughts on this you guys? No. Okay. All right. So the we we're going long today. Uh, but we did have a topic that was sent in by Emilio Sanchez, and I thought it was a very good topic, but we can probably lightning round it fairly quickly. Uh, Emilio wrote in, they said, on the topic of this show, I want to ask if there's any game you guys play and recommend as a podcast game while listening to this awesome podcast. So first off, thanks for listening to the show. Um, I'm going to go first because I had elbow surgery this week and I played only Vampire Survivors because I could play that with one hand and so I I sitting on the couch I had my my left arm elevated because I'm supposed to like keep ice on it and stuff and I set the Xbox controller on the couch arm and then I just used my finger on the Xbox controller to move my character around and I played that game for hours this week and it's the it's one of the best games for just zoning out listening to a podcast and playing games what are what are your guys's favorite games to play while you're also consuming other media rich i'll let you go all right i'm gonna double down on what you said i have two different suggestions the first one i'm gonna double down on what you said vampire survivors by the way just got the co-op update so you can play co-op now Even while listening xbox. to a podcast <laughs> <laughs> xbox, yeah that's true um so that's that's one um to, to double down on that with the genre, though, there's a game out there called Hollow Cure. I think you can play this with one hand, too. You can also aim if you want to, but it's just another Vampire Survivors clone. It's um, free, number one. It's got a whole lot of content, and it's really adorable, so check that out. The other thing I suggest in terms of like podcast gaming is if you're someone that's into like fighters or like mechanically complex games, you can like practice combos while listening to podcasts Mm. and that kind of takes your mind off of the the like monotony of it but you can it actually makes it 
I think, easier to get better at the combos because you're just practicing like the, the what is it, memorization? What's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. Um, but yeah, I don't know. But like you're, you're just like your muscle hands. Memory. Muscle memory. That's the oh, word I'm okay, looking yeah. for. Yeah. You, you just get the muscle memory quicker without really thinking about it and just doing the thing. So that's my suggestion. What about you, Russ? What games uh, do you play in order to practice your Hadoukenable versus uh, Shoryukenable? Uh, <laughs> right. So I, I number one, I think would probably all time would be Hades. You know, like that is a game you don't have to put a lot of brain into. You know, other than like when you finally do defeat Hades, it's, it's like it unlocks a little bit more dialogue with uh, the person that you talk to after that. And so uh, that is like the only time you really have to pay attention. Everything else you just kind of breeze through. Uh, but one I've been playing recently was I think Bill, you turned it on to me last week was Whisker Squadron Survivors. It's the hmm. Star Fox that's like Vampire Survivors, and I've been playing that over the past week, and it's great especially on the like the steam deck or the rog ally like a handheld mode it's just a really fun experience where it's you know on rails uh flying shooter like star fox and then as you like kill a guy you collect these like little icons that float and they don't just come to you you have to like get to them which is kind of fun and then when you get enough you (coughs) excuse me you level up some sort of property it can be making your shooter better or like your bombs and that, that kind of thing and so that's a progressive one and it's it's through a run so you do your run and then you can get some permanent upgrades and you just kind of keep going and going and it doesn't take a lot of mind to it either and so uh that one's been fun and it's all randomly like procedurally generated so it's just a lot of fun in that regard too so that's awesome so for all of you that are watching this right now i mean look you don't want to look at my stupid face for an hour and whatever that we've been talking so what have you been playing while watching this episode let us know in the comment section down below if you're watching this on youtube uh and if you're on youtube then you can head on over to uh youtube.com slash fan the deck or youtube.com slash fan the games in order to check out rich's stuff and if you want to check out russ's stuff you can check that out over at youtube.com slash retro game core that's c-o-p-r-s uh just like the marine corps uh, did i spell it wrong i saw your eyebrow yeah. go up I did. Yes. You said C-O-P-S. Yes. There you go. (laughs) You guys know how to spell core. Leave me alone. (laughs) Yeah, that's a fact. (laughs) All right. And that does it for this episode of the Nerd Nest Podcast. Thank you guys for hanging out with us. uh, And I hope that you all have a fantastic day. Stay right, everybody.